looking into the mirror and, and you know better than anybody else that uh, it helps if there's somebody uh, holding the mirror and uh, asking a few questions and, and a thought process emerges and, 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 and things can happen. Welcome to The Max, a podcast for leaders and entrepreneurs. Hosted by Vivma Kramer. Hi there. Welcome to The Max podcast. I have a very interesting guest. I made this one with care and love. And the one thing I would like you to do is subscribe to my channel. I will be very grateful if you do. But with no further ado, let's start the interview. Hi, today I'm joined by Ralf Specht. Ralf is the co-founder of Spark44, a global marketing communication company that he grew under his leadership, over 100 million in revenue and 1,200 employees. He and his fellow co-founders built a company with a high level of creative performance, as well as strong employee engagement and satisfaction. He is the author of a new book coming out this year, called Building Corporate Soul, with the expressed purpose of making soulless companies a thing of the past. So, I'm excited to have him on my show and to talk about this very interesting topic. So, um, well, welcome to the show. My pleasure. And um, I already introduced you and I was thinking, because uh, you had a very successful company, called Spark 44. And, mm-hmm. and in hindsight, you realized uh, you had built a soulful organization. So what is it in you personally that you were able to create this? Well, first of all, I didn't create it on my own. I know, with a, with a couple of partners. Yes, we were five partners at the beginning. And um, the five of us were... Um, very driven. All of us were in our mid forties to mid fifties. So mm-hmm. we had already seen a bit, right? And when we came together and uh, the business plan was approved and, and we got the green light from our joint venture partner, we sat in a room in London. Um, one of us uh, was London, London based and, and a friend of, uh, provided us with a uh, the meeting room. So mm-hmm. five of us in the meeting room, flip charts, you can imagine, right? And we looked at each other and said, okay, now, this was like middle of February mm-hmm. or so, we have to have an agency that can start business on the 1st of June in four locations, and we need 80 people to start with. So... A, how do we go about it? And B, what do we want the place to feel like? Yeah. How do we want the place to, well, to, to happen, actually? And sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen this before, uh, sometimes you, you, you're very clear where you want to go, but when you want to uh, point out the elements that are required to, to get there, it gets a bit tricky and that happened with us as well. So um, as we noticed that we were sitting in this room and nothing was getting on the flip charts, we flipped the question yeah. and basically said, so what do we do not want the place to be? And obviously we all had our experiences from, from previous agencies that we worked with. And finally the flip charts filled up within 10 minutes and once that was done, we said, well, okay, now let's structure it a bit and let's take the conclusions. What do we have to do differently in yeah. order to make sure things that we didn't like at places we were before won't happen in our place? And that's mm-hmm. basically how it all started. And uh, I think this this um, moment of realization, we're starting from a clean sheet of paper. We've got nothing, no legacy, no no history. Uh, and that's a great opportunity to build something unique. Mm, so it's always a, it was a unique combination, uh, the, the four of you as well, or the five, five or four? Five. Five. And, um, uh, but, uh, uh, first about you, because what, what's your background? I've spent my entire professional life in agencies. I've spent 22 years with McKenna Erickson. 
um, in, in various uh, executive roles since the late 90s, um, uh, leading offices, uh, managing global accounts, mm-hmm. um, and uh, across all categories. Um, and uh, before that, I uh, started my career at Battlesmont at the publishing house, uh, which at the time when I was joining was the largest uh, publishing house of the world. And mm-hmm. uh, they had a very uh, strong culture and, and their uh, founder uh, um, and CEO at the time and later on chairman, Bernard Vaughan, uh, established uh, what he called a constitution for the company, which when I was I was like 22 or 23, mm-hmm. I looked at that and I was like, a constitution for a company? Are they serious? Um, and uh, didn't take it that serious when I was first seeing it. But uh, after a few months inside the company, I knew or I realized and experienced um, what it did for the company and how it shaped the behaviors inside the company mm. um, and, and the culture inside the, pla- inside the place. And um, I think that was a moment of realization for me that, that I never forget or forgot. Mm. And, and uh, when I then started my journey uh, in the agency world, yeah, it, so was, it was something yeah. that always stayed with me and uh, had influenced me, something that I would have never thought mm. when I was 23. What, what, what did, did they uh, meant by it then, constitution? So can you can, can you describe what they yeah, tried to ba- say? Yes, it was basically um, a document that defined um, the space and the environment they want, wanted to achieve or to see happen inside the organization. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest topics was um, the delegation of uh, responsibility. Um, and the uh, and the notion of uh, entrepreneurial um, spirit um, that they wanted to stimulate in, in every in every employee, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but it wasn't just words. So yeah, they had a program, and at that time it was the early eighties in Europe. You didn't have like share options and stuff like that, and they didn't have shares in, in the first place. But they they created a a um, a scheme um, where uh, all employees benefited from the short-term and long-term success um, of the company. So it wasn't just words, it was also yeah. actions. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, uh, yeah, that made, made a lot of impact. Mm. So it seems to be a sort of a fundament for you. Yes. Creating your own uh, company, uh, Spark 44. So um, I uh, heard you say that's, um, I don't know if it's true, but that you call your team your family. Well, <laughs> I think um, there are moments when it feels like a family mm. or felt like a family. Um, the, um, I think when you, when you, when you look at a, a team setup and, and the way you work with people and, and they work with you, mm. um, uh, every now and then it might feel like a family. Obviously, it's not a family, right? Mm. Uh, uh, there are different, there are usually no contracts between family members, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you, you don't have that. Uh, I pro- probably much rather say it felt like a tribe. So people that are um, connected behind uh, a common idea, a common vision, and uh, I think that is something that uh, um, that we achieved. And, and uh, I mean, I said at the beginning we signed mm. up uh, out with four offices and eighty people, yeah, um, uh, for a worldwide business. And that meant there's definitely more places in the world than four uh, office locations. So there were many uh, places where we had just one person on the on the ground, like a, yeah. a liaison uh, person. And finding a way, and this is like 2011, right? This is not 2021, where Zoom is something that everybody, mm-hmm. like we are doing right now. Um, building a corporate um, culture with people that you physically only see once or twice a year mm-hmm. um, uh, through virtual means is 
something that right here, right now, everybody has experienced. Some like it more, some, some like it less. But that, that was one element that we uh, embraced way back then. It wasn't Zoom, it was GoToMeeting, but it was the same logic. And when, when, when people asked us, so where's your headquarter? We always laughed and said, well, our headquarters go to meeting because <laughs> uh, we simply couldn't be in LA or in Frankfurt or in London all the time. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So, so the, the reason why I invited you to, to, to this uh, interview is to talk about your new book and uh, coming out uh, uh, on a date. Very special date. We just talked about it. So can you repeat which date is going to be released? Yes. I hope it's going to be my lucky number. So it's 22-2-22. The 22nd uh, of February is the <laughs> date when, it's, when it will be available in bookstores and, and obviously on all online sites. Yeah, great. And um, well, the, the, um, the title is Building Corporate Soul. And um, and there's a purpose behind it as well of making soulless uh, companies a thing of the past. So be just before we, we we dive into the interview, um, what what is a soul, and what's a soulful organization? I think every company has its culture, right? Mm -hmm. You you cannot have a company without a culture, um, but only a few have what I would call corporate soul have soul. And uh, the, the book was inspired by many things. Um, was first of all inspired by my colleagues when I stepped down as CEO and their, in, in their fa farewell messages, which uh, were overwhelmingly um, strong. And uh, but they were strong in a on, a, on a level that I didn't expect. Um, mm. Because uh, obviously you would expect farewell messages when, when you leave, but these messages had something uh, different uh, uh, in them. They spoke about the, the culture that we yeah. had built, that we had jointly created, and that uh, everybody felt was something they would keep in their minds and in their hearts um, forever because it was so special. Yeah, and um, at the same time, I was reading an article in the Harvard Business Review, which was titled "The Soul of a Startup," and that article talked about that special energy that you feel in the, in a startup environment, and it reminded me uh, of the time when we were a startup in the early days. But obviously, when I left, which was 2019, and um, that was like eight years after, um, nearly nine years after, after we had started, mm -hmm. the company was no longer a startup, right? It was a 1200 people organization, yeah. 18, 18 country, 18 countries and offices. So you couldn't call it a startup. And I thought this idea, this notion of soul is actually definitely um, present in most startups, but it can also be present in, mm. established, in established companies. So um, I started to research on corporate culture and uh, looked at hundreds of examples, hundreds of surveys and studies and, and things, and um, developed a framework, which I call the soul system, yeah. that operates on three levels to define how you can build it. Because obviously, as we all know, you can't, no, there's no leader in the world who can say, well, we will have the greatest culture. Uh, I mean, you can say that, but mm -hmm. it doesn't really mean a thing because um, the people who mm. can define whether your company has soul is not the leadership group. The people who can define this uh, are the employees of the company. Yeah. They judge whether the place yeah. has soul, not the CEO. Mm. So that so that's what I was I was thinking about your um, yeah the start of the of the book and the start of your idea of soulful um, organizations that um, only when your departure was due and uh, you got all those feedback back from your from from your from your employees that it was also about culture that you got you know, the, the the feedback you got got 
uh, and not only about yourself. Correct. So that was typical for 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 your yeah start or your 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 inspiration to think about soul within a company. Yes, I mean, as I mentioned, when we were starting the whole thing, the flip chart moment in 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 in, in London. Yeah. Um, we set out to design the organization in a way that um, uh, would allow many positive things to happen, right? Because we knew the negative things. And so we did that. Um, and uh, for us, it's all, it has always been a real critical um, element and component of our corporate life. So um, when you when you want to embed a culture or philosophy inside a firm, you've got to find moments, you've got to define moments, situations that happen, that reoccur, mm -hmm. where people uh, recognize there is something special happening here and it's happening again and again and again. So people learn and experience uh, what, what is desired so they can relate to it, they can connect uh, with it and they can live it. And yeah. That's what, what the soul system is all about. So the soul system has three levels. The first level is what I call the shared purpose. And we've all known the purpose conversations over the last 10, 15 years, and they're all great. Um, but to a certain degree, they're useless. Yes, you're quite critical about uh, the people who write about the uh, purpose, uh, aren't you? Yeah, well... <laughs> I've, 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 I've seen a few and, um, and, uh, part of when I was reaching, researching on, on the topic, uh, was a study from EY called the business case, uh, for purpose. And that study is great. Um, mm -hmm. because it shows exactly where the issue is. So they, they interviewed thousands of, of leaders across the world. And 89% said an organization with a shared purpose ha will have employee satisfaction. Yeah. Bingo. So you read this and you go like, okay, they got it. They <laughs> tick. Perfect. But then you go through the, through the rest of the questions and they say, well, our organization's strategy is reflective of our sense of purpose. And it's 50%. So 89 to 50. Yeah. And then you go to the next level, which is our staff have clear understanding of organizational purpose and commitment to core values and beliefs. And that number is only 38. Yeah. So leaders get it, but they don't act upon it so that it really uh, is fully embedded inside the yeah. organization. And that's yeah. why, to me, I'm talking about the shared purpose, shared by the executive team. If they don't believe in it, it won't happen in the first yeah, place. Yeah. And then shared with everybody inside and outside the company, all stakeholders, so that they understand what they're about to be doing and what's asked from them. And when you've got that, you've got the starting point to, to build a company with. So mm. the second level is what I call the shared understanding. It's again, the theory part. So for me, there's four elements in the shared understanding that are critical. You need to define your vision. You need to define your mission and your values. And those are pretty standard, right? But you've got a fourth thing from my point of view that you better start thinking about, which is what I call the spirit, which to me is the intended culture of the place. Mm. That management cannot um, dictate the culture of the place, but they should better have, a, have an idea about what the intended culture is so that when we come to the third level, which I call the shared behaviors, yeah. these can reflect the spirit, the desired culture uh, of the company. And, and uh, in the, at this next level of shared behaviors, um, the company better looks at ways to codify, to code mm. um, experiences in, inside the company that can be related back to the purpose can connect with the vision. Sure. So it's easy for people to understand and behave uh, like that. And once mm. you get that organized in a way that that it, it isn't just a, a one-hit wonder, is we had a great party, now our culture is great. Thank <laughs> you very much. Or as of tomorrow, we'll have fruit baskets in the office or because everything is remote, everybody gets a... 
uh, a food service coming in every once a week or, or all these things. They're all nice. Nothing wrong with them. But uh, they, they missed the point. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, lots of companies have a well-formulated purpose. And they hire the best communication experts to make sure everybody knows about it. And that's it. Yes. And then nothing happens. And 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 what you say is that it's, it's important uh, for the for the leaders or the the managers to lead by example. That you align your behavior as a leader uh, with the the purpose or the soul or the behaviors you like to um, yeah, really uh, implement. Or correct. Yeah. 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 But I, I know you, you, I don't know when it was, but when you were building your company, you, you grew from six to, to 19 offices, uh, within, a, within a half, yeah, in a half year. So that's a big growth, of course. And how did you make sure people, uh, got to know and feel the soul of the company? That was quite something. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mentioned that we started back in 2011 with uh, four offices, 80 people. And over the first two and a half years, we had grown to six offices and 250 people. That was quite organic, right? Things happened one step at a time. Um, and then um, the company grew, uh, well, it, it tripled within six months. Yeah. So from 250 to 750 uh, people within three months uh, or four, well, four or five months overall. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting down with Steve, my uh, CEO at the time, and, and one of the founding members, indeed the founder, um, and we were contemplating about it. And uh, we were both concerned about the culture and, and uh, I had thought about it. I said, listen, you know, there are 10, so we, got, we need 18 offices at that time. Uh, we got six, so the gap is 12. In 10 of these 12 places where we need to have an office, we already have people that have been with us for the last two, two and a half years as the single point of contact in that market. All of them have developed greatly and all of them uh, are dyed in the wool with the purpose and the, and, and the vision that we have. So actually, um, the, the culture uh, topic is one that these 10 people can perfectly uh, kick off in an office when they're no longer on their own, but with uh, 10, mm. 15, 20 other people. So that gave us some relief and we had to hire two uh, new leaders, one of which turned out to be a rock star, one of the greatest hires I'd ever done. And the other one was the complete opposite. Just, I don't know what happened, but we, we, we just took the wrong decision, but these things happen, right? Yeah. Um, but we realized that quickly after four or five weeks and then uh, could, could, uh, could change people uh, because there was no way to, to get this back on track. But these were just the two leadership positions. The other 500 people uh, that joined uh, presented quite a challenge because uh, there's no man, nobody in the world who can hire 500 people in three months and, and, and every hire is perfect. Ain't going to happen. No. Um, and you are not always finding out on day two or on day 10. Sometimes it takes a while. Uh, and sometimes, um, uh, especially in larger offices, uh, if you bring in people uh, from other places that have known each other, worked worked as a team, uh, very quickly you have much competing cultures in, yeah. inside an organization. So you got to build a structure and, and have people uh, um, on your side that uh, understand the issue and the challenge and have their eyes and ears wide open um, and. Uh, create uh, support so that uh, it's easier for people to um, understand where they have landed. And that's, again, it's a communication issue, right? So yeah. we're getting back to the shared purpose. So if people know what it is, and obviously everybody knows it, because when you enter a place that's usually great 
where it's behind the receptionist or somewhere on the walls and it reads well, it's perfectly crafted. But if you don't see those words turned into reality in your everyday life, uh, it can be many simple things where you can recognize this. Um, you are, you just have an issue because, uh, you just don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, the trust will be gone. And if the trust, well, the trust might erode at one mm. point, might be gone. And um, you're getting to a, to a point where the, um, you have a real issue um, on both sides, from the employer and from the employee. Yep. Right? I mean, these days we're talking a lot about um, the great resignation or the great reshuffle because people quit in 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 thousands and, and ten thousand, hundred thousand, the U.S. a few million. And um, I came across a, a study from McKinsey back in October uh, last year, and and uh, that study is really telling because it shows where the issue is. Yeah, so, I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. So they looked at the, the three, they looked at the reasons why people are leaving from an employee point of view and from an employer point of view. And the employees are very clear. The number one uh, reason is I don't feel valued by my organization. Number two reason is I don't feel valued by my manager. And the number three reason is I don't feel any sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Right? So you would probably say that these are all soft factors. Yes, they are, but these soft factors actually create a very hard reality yep. because all of a sudden people go like, why am I here? Why am I doing this, right? And employers at the same time think the uh, number one reason why people leave is inadequate compensation. Of course, money always plays a role in, in, mm. in, in resignations and in, 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 in getting into new positions. But it's not the number one driver, right? Um, uh, employers think um, they, they, they might just be looking for a better job. Well, Jesus Christ, I mean, find a way to offer better jobs, <laughs> right? I mean, so sometimes yeah. it's not possible, but in general, there's always a way to develop uh, people in, inside an organization and, yeah. and, and, and you've got to take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Was so that what you say is there's no... Not not one soul. That uh, you can have different souls um, depending uh, of the organization you have. But what were the ingredients of a, your soul full organization? Yeah, I think the ingredients again started back when we had our flip chart moment. That was the uh, the moment when it all kicked off. Mm -hmm. We established a number of things that were <clears throat> just uh, awesome for people to recognize um, um, what the culture meant. Okay, so our mantra was be bold, be brave, be honest. Mm. Okay, so if you do that, you've got to be brave and you've got to be bold and you've got to be honest. So, yeah. Um, part, part of the honest uh, bit was... Uh, that we started from the get-go started with employee evaluations every three months, right? So every manager had had to talk to his his, his teammate um, once every quarter, not about the next project and what's going on, but, also, but just about him or her and the company. Yeah. Um, and initially, we thought, oh, we need a, an evaluation form for every type of professional mm -hmm. in, inside the firm. And we did that for a while and, and, and saw that uh, it didn't, it was, it, it was very complex. It didn't get us anywhere. Yeah. Um, but then we also looked into what really mattered and, and we uh, uh, reworked uh, that form and basically uh, had one form for everyone, the same. And that one was based on our values. And mm. the entire form was about um, how are you performing against these values in, in various aspects uh, of, your, of your work. Um, it looked into um, behaviors. Um, what should you continue doing? What should you stop mm. doing? And what should yep. you start doing? 
Um, there was a scoring system and everybody, depending on their scores, um, uh, had a little financial benefit. Um, nothing uh, to become wealthy, but uh, something for a recognition that everybody uh, could whatever invite their better half for a great experience on the weekend or something like that. So it's yeah. a small stage, but happening again and again and again every every quarter. Uh, that was 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 one of the coded uh, experiences mm. that people had, and you talk about the uh, the values of the company in, 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 uh, during those mm. uh, thirty minutes or however long the conversation uh, would go. Then another example, and not everything was um, was driven by management, right? Um, so uh, two colleagues, one from Spain and one from from uh, Brazil. Um, had a few interactions because they, uh, uh, with the Portuguese language, uh, in, in, in Brazil and, and the Spanish office was in charge of Portugal here in Europe as well. Uh, there was a lot of exchange between the two. And at one point they came up with an idea and said, well, why don't we do Spark BNB, which is basically an exchange program where an employee from one office spends a month in the other oh. office and, and vice versa. Um, and the only thing we would need for that is basically a, um, an Airbnb flat for, for a month and, uh, and an uh, economy flight, um, from one location to the other. And we started doing that and, and it did wonders, uh, again, because we were a globally connected yeah. organization and it was so perfect. It was such a great idea. Mm. Another, another colleague, uh, created something he called Sparker Palooza. Um, Californian style, as you can imagine, right? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, which became a week of inspiration um, inside the agency where we had outside um, thought leaders, what have you, artists, uh, designers, and, 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 and everything to do um, keynotes, uh, have little workshops, mm. um, get, get the team work on a social project for uh, for, for that week, and, and lots of different ideas. And we <clears throat> then cultivated that and exported it to everywhere else uh, in the world. <clears throat> oh, so yeah. you got to have these moments that people recognize what is different in your place mm. and why is it different? How does it uh, manifest itself? And how do you fit into that? What yep. role can you play? And yep. If you do these things, and that's what I meant by the shared, shared behaviors, um, you have a real opportunity to build uh, a company with soul. And yeah. I was was researching for the book. There's another great st study from a company called OC Tanner. They issue a global culture report once, once a year. And when I uh, wrote the book, I looked into... Um, into their data and they are just smashing, right? So um, what I'm calling a company with soul, they call a thriving culture, right? So it's very similar, uh, just, just a different language, I think. Um, and their research has proven that um, uh, employees or companies with, with a thriving culture have 13, one, three, Times more likely in, uh, engaged employee, highly engaged employees inside their firm, right? They have an eight times higher incidence of great work and a double likelihood to have increased revenues. Mm. And so that's great on the business side and, and, and also on the soft side, happy employees, more innovation, uh, better revenues. And at the same time, these companies and employees in these companies are three times less, um, uh, are facing three times less burnout situations, and the company itself is three times less likely to face layoffs. Mm. Doesn't come as a surprise, right? I mean, happy employees, happy products, mm. innovative uh, products, happy clients, more revenue. Of course, then you you usually don't have layoff situations. Yeah, but um, I think and you mentioned my vision of of uh, making solar companies a thing of the past. Um, when I, when I worked on that one and, and, and tried to find the right words, um, there's the vision, but there's also, uh, a mission statement. And the mission 
uh, statement is to make the leadership behaviors which build soul synonymous with the, with the leadership behaviors that build success. Yeah. And I think that's very often a conversation that you get into where people are like, oh, yes, it sounds all great and it's nice and, and, and we all feel good and all of that. But, you know, it's business we have to do. Uh, we have to meet our targets and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, you look at all these data um, and, and my own experience, um, the money comes when you do it right, when you do the right things. Mm. And so this is not an either or conversation. No. Mm. This is a plant the seed so that all these good things can come. And um, having a successful company is a great thing. There's nothing wrong with no, that. No, true, true. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I what I what I hear you um, is that you emphasis on 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 connection uh, of with uh, between uh, employees mm-hmm. and uh, to level up uh, on on values on on purpose of uh, the company. Um, so that they can understand each other and understand uh, the purpose of why they're there, why they are there, and um, see how it's, it looks, how how purpose looks. Not only th- that you know how it is, but that you really can sh- can see it. Yes. So the experience is critical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you 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 also uh, did a quite a huge research. Um, uh, and you uh, looked at a lot of different companies and you made a sort of an index. Yes. Yes. Can you talk about it? Yes, definitely. So I mentioned already that, that when I was writing the book, I, I looked through tons of research and, 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 and studies. And, and uh, obviously when you do that and do that day in, day out, um, you see patterns and you see um reoccurring themes. Mm-hmm. And as I finished the book, I thought, well, now my gut says the, what I mentioned earlier, the the qualification, whether you are a company with soul sits or lies in the, in the, in the eyes of the employees. It's not a management mm-hmm. um, approach. And so I said, well, why don't I just try to uh, basically combine the various studies that are available and put an emphasis and extra weight on employee data. Yeah. So the data include employee satisfaction index uh, indices, uh, employee engagement indices, indices, but also CEO approval by employees. So how, how much do you like or do you mm. recognize uh, and approve what your CEO does? Uh, and so I've, get, I've given these studies uh, a significant weighting, but then also added studies that were about business impact because, again, to me, it's not about just a feel-good factor. It's about um, being a, uh, driving a successful business yeah. uh, with happy people. And uh, when when I when I did that, um, huge ranking, huge Excel file <laughs> uh, emerged, and um, I thought, well, that's all well and good. Uh, but I, then I asked uh, a friend from a friend at uh, banks, can, "Can you do me a favor? Can you can you?" Um, uh, uh, do the computation, do the math uh, about the uh, performance of the um, uh, of, of that that index, as I would call it, the solar mm-hmm. index. And when he he said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do that," so like a week later, he came back and said, "Well, not bad." <laughs> so I was like, okay, I thought it would be good because obviously, from the ranking, I knew about the companies that were in the index. Well, the, the majority of them had done well uh, over the last 10 years. So it couldn't be bad, but I had no idea how good it could be. Right? Yeah. So um, in the in the book, uh, the index is about uh, the five years from 2016 to 2020, right? Because the book was finished sometime last year, so we couldn't have 2021 data in there. Um, and the sole index um, uh, delivered a community accumulative performance of 
199% over five years. Mm-hmm. Quite something. Really, yeah. Um, and you look at NASDAQ, um, and NASDAQ uh, delivered 180% over the same period. Um, and then you look at the bigger ones or the, or the, the larger ones in terms of uh, uh, all industries, S&P 500 and Dow Jones, and S&P delivered 83 and Dow Jones 76%. Mm-hmm. So when when I saw that number, I was like, Jesus Christ, mm. really? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. And uh, obviously, as we're now talking in, in uh, late January, I've got the figures for um, uh, 2021 uh, already. And, and last year, the, that sold index delivered uh, 34%. NASDAQ did 27 And the S&P also did 27 And uh, when the, the, the gentleman at the bank who helped me with uh, those performance calculations, shared with me a, um, a summary over the last six years and basically said, um, compared to these other three, this is the only index that over the last six years did not have a year with negative returns. Really? Yeah. So um, there's quite something uh, quite something in there. The company that, that heads it up is, is Adobe. Uh, uh, Salesforce and Microsoft are at the top, so quite a technology bias. Yeah, can you explain why the first three are, are IT orientated? Yes. So, do you have an explanation for it? Um, yes, I think <laughs> uh, the uh, co- companies in that in, in that category um, were had their founding moments somewhere between the mid seventies and the early two thousands. Right, mm-hmm. they're all. So Microsoft, Apple was like 76, 77. Uh, the youngest company in the index is Workday, which was 2005, and every, everything else in between. Um, these companies um, were extremely driven. So there's a strong founding culture um, uh, across all these uh, companies. These companies have also had also registered very early on that the only capital they have is human capital. Yeah. Right? Um, sure. They want yeah. a factory. I mean, of course, there are factories to build a computer, mm. but the, uh, the, the the power is in the human capital True. inside these organizations. Yeah. And so uh, I think they have led a movement over the past 40 years to, that, that has uh, um, uh, provided a lot of input in terms of leadership and, and, and modern management styles to, to other firms. But at the same time, when you look into that uh, index, you see companies like American Express or you see Deloitte. So uh, both of them were founded in the mid-19th century. Mm, yeah. right? and, and, and again, looking at Microsoft, I'm pretty sure if you would have done a similar uh, index 15 years ago um, with with a different management at Microsoft, they wouldn't be on number number three, right? So, yeah. Um, and one of the great things I think that they did is is, is uh, uh, their acquisition with 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 LinkedIn. Um, mm. LinkedIn to me is one of the best examples, prime example yep. uh, of uh, aligning uh, purpose, vision, mission, uh, and and values. And uh, Jeff Weiner, the CEO, the former CEO of, of LinkedIn, is the only person that I have identified as someone who achieved a hundred percent CEO recognition on Glassdoor. Mm. I mean, there, there are a few that get into the the upper ninety percent, but hundred percent is is a kind, right? Yeah, <laughs> true. Ah, well. You know, uh, you, you, you wrote a book and you did a lot of research. Um, and, um, I know a lot of, um, listeners are leaders themselves. And what, what would you advise them to do? Uh, what would be their first step if they really want to look into their soul and their soulful company? <laughs> so the book's got like 12 chapters and, uh, at the end of every chapter, there's a table which offers seven, eight, nine, ten questions that always start with a sentence that says key thoughts to consider mm-hmm. um, on like understanding your company's soul um, 
do some soul, soul searching in action. Okay. So soul, soul searching is the word. Um, and if you take it away from that language, uh, I would say it's about self-reflection. Um, I was talking to, uh, to a friend the other day who had a session with, uh, the board of directors, uh, at a company and there were like 12 people in this board of directors. So quite, quite a, quite a large board. Yeah. And, um, they were all complaining about that their employees or the next two levels of leadership didn't feel empowered. Mm. And uh, my friend looked at them and said, okay, wait a minute. The people in this room are the ones that need to empower them. So what's wrong with you? <laughs> Uh, and, and, and that was the moment when they realized, and, 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 you know, sometimes, I mean, self-reflection is always a difficult thing, right? You stepping, <clears throat> stepping a bit back and looking into the mirror and, and you know better than anybody else that, uh, it helps if there's somebody, uh, holding the mirror <laughs> and, uh, asking a few questions and, and the thought process emerges yeah. and, 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 and things can happen. Yeah. Uh, but I think to me, the biggest point is um, if you start to ask the question to yourself, are we where we want to be with our culture? Is this the place I want this place to be? Then I think you've made the most important step because yeah. um, it always starts with that um, self-reflection and, and, and self-assessment. Yep. Um, and then, then you need help because you, you're... Uh, you need to find a way in an organization to, and the larger the organization is, the more challenging it becomes. Obviously, you need you need allies, you need ambassadors, you need what I call soul drivers. Yeah, um, people inside the company that embody that soul. I mean, in German, there's a saying: "Er oder sie ist die Seele des Unternehmens." Or she is the soul of the company. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that saying because. Um, there's always someone inside a team or, or, or a firm where people say, well, yeah, yeah, he, he, we do things here and he, he, he's best at doing them. Yeah. This yeah. Way, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the way you select your sole drivers in your organization. Well, I think you have to recognize them first. Yeah. And you have to, and, and they come at every level. So this is not about an executive um, nope. thing. They can be any, uh, anywhere. And uh, I, re I still remember because this, this was, uh, sometimes you read things and, and they stick, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember, I don't know, probably seven, eight years ago, uh, I was sitting on a plane um, flying over to the UK and, and, uh, I read the German uh, yeah, daily Handelsblatt, which is about um, business, right? And it's all hard facts all the way through and analysis and, and, and thoughts and so on and so forth. But there was a little column on one page where one of the reporters um, shared um, something that happened to him that he felt was special. And I was reading it and he was at a press conference, uh, or something, uh, of the Porsche company, right? And it was like a, a reception and they, uh, they had to have, uh, tables at like these stand up, uh, places where you can put your glasses on and so on and so on and so forth. And we've all seen it. So every now and then these things are not stable. So on one, one, one leg, there's a bit of too much air between the ground and, and, mm -hmm. and um, they were standing there, putting their glasses and having chats and so on and so forth. But, but the, um, the table was moving all the time. And after a few minutes, somebody came um, uh, uh, along with a drilling machine and uh, basically um, put a screw and, a screw and had this, 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 this driller and, uh, and, and, and mounted it on the... Um, uh, the floor uh, mm -hmm. of that event location. And then these guys st stood around and looked at each other and what's happening here. And they, they asked him and this guy said, you know, in our place, 
we always do things 100%. And this needed to happen. And they all were like, oof. Mm. And I think somebody like that, uh, who just fully understood what the, what the, what the, what the firm was about, um, displayed a behavior that actually made it to that column. Otherwise, I wouldn't know about it. But uh, it, it was something that um, uh, where you could see uh, the, 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 the thinking has landed. Yep. Sure. And it, it's sometimes it's, it's in, in, in tiny things. In yeah. gestures and, and behaviors, that's very strong and powerful when people get it. Absolutely, and can influence their environment. So that's that's a very strong, uh, um, yeah, a strong example. Um, well, Ralph, I would like to thank you for this uh, great interview. And, uh, well, you already know I'm a business mentor and psychologist. So, and I, I want to thank you for sharing, uh, your mission and insights and, uh, how important the human factor is in uh, successful organizations. And, um, I know as well how important it is to take care of your employees and to, to lock them in, in, in your company. And, um, they like to be locked in as well. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So, and I work with a stoic philosophy, uh, uh, a lot. So, um, I was thinking about it because your view is a little bit the same as how they look, uh, at things as a leader. It's that you walk your talk, you know, and you believe in things and, uh, um, yeah, you believe in purpose and, and things that you are, you think it's, is important. And I realized that we are in it together. Yes. Yeah, and to make sure that you breathe things uh, you believe in. So, and, and then people believe in you and are involved. So, well, it starts with involvement, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you you build an uh, you you build a, an organization where the invo- involvement was quite high. So, uh, I w- would like to thank you for your inspiring story as well. Well, thank you very much, Fee, for having me on your show. Yeah. So, twenty two. Two, then it's today. So then we can find your book. I will put the the, the information in the, in the show notes. And um, thanks again. So this is your first book. Maybe there there, there are lots lots of books coming. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll let you know with the second book. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me today. If you'd like to hear more about me and the Max, go to themax.partners. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode.